We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, fresh uh, back in town from Gallagher-Iba Arena, and Kyle Porter is back from Tiger Watch. Kyle, how did Tiger do today, first off? Uh, your, your beloved Tiger Woods, uh, one over 72 at Riviera. Not not bad. He was, he's kind of – his, his uh, misses off the tee look like our misses. Like they're like they're in a, a backyard, in a ravine, in a tree. I mean, it's really bad. But everything else looks pretty good. I, I, I mean, you're the you're the tiger, you know, super fan. How how, how do you feel about it? Oh, I knew how he did. It was a rhetorical question, but uh, <laughs> his short game is uh, dialed in. He's ready for yeah. Augusta with the short game. So yeah. if he can just hit some greens. Look out, because his putting and chipping, which was really a, a disaster when he was when he had the yips. Uh, that's dialed in, so. But I guess people don't listen to this podcast to hear us talk about Tiger. So let's talk about the. Uh, <laughs> speaking of yips and disasters, uh, I went to the game last night with my dad. It was a lot of fun. We had great seats um, right at midcourt, first that second level, pretty close. Uh, it was awesome. Before the game, we went to Joe's, had some Joe's Cubs. It was a great experience right until the game started. And you don't understand movies, but our listeners do. It was like Luke Skywalker saying, I should not have come. I've endangered the mission. That's basically how I felt, because that's now three straight losses I've attended. I think it's all my fault. So I, I can't go back to Gallagher-Iba anytime soon. Uh, 20 points in the first half was a total atrocity. Yeah, the whole thing was a total atrocity. I, I mean, I, and, and the final score is misleading, right? You're like, oh, a 10-point game must have been competitive. It was never competitive. It, it wasn't even a – it wasn't even – close i mean it was just and and to me carson the thing like i get it like this team is kind of they have to be super efficient offensively because they just don't have the the volumes i mean they just they just don't have a ton of guys offensively so they have to be efficient and when they're not they have to be unbelievable on defense they weren't even they weren't even a average on defense i just thought the defensive effort was was pathetic kind of i don't know if you got that feeling from being there but just watching it on tv it's like what are what are you doing on defense there's there's the closeouts and the i I don't know i mean k-state only i think they only had seven or eight turnovers which is not what you want uh if you're supposed to be a pressure team like oklahoma state yeah, it was fun to watch the game with my dad. He's he's very knowledgeable just about X's and O's of basketball. And it was really just obvious in the first half. Just Kansas State would uh, they would get OSU to double on a, on a pick and roll, and they would just find the open man yeah. every single time for a wide open shot or a wide open layup or dunk. I mean, they had... They had as many layups and dunks, I think, as OSU had points in the first half. That's what it's what it seemed like. It was I don't know if it was quite twenty, but it was close. And on offense for OSU, they just like Kansas State packed the paint, and the very few times they got it down low to Solomon, they either got fouled or got a bucket or made things happen. They just they were they had no sense of urgency of getting into the paint and forcing Kansas State to collapse, then kicking out to wide open threes. They were just taking contested threes and contested long twos, and it was just it was obvious what was happening, and they never corrected it. I thought Mike Boynton did a bad job last night. He never ever did he correct it. He did, he ran good out of out of timeout plays, but it was just painfully obvious what was happening, and it never changed the entire first half. I don't know if that's just the guys not listening to him or what, 
but it, I thought it was it was really bad. And and also my dad pointed this out. I didn't I never really noticed this watching OSU, and I don't know how big of a difference it actually makes. But it's interesting in that you know you get in TV games you get two minutes for a timeout, and Mike Boynton would break the huddle after a minute, and the players would be standing on the floor just waiting. Yeah. With like the cheerleaders and the refs, while Kansas State stayed in the tu- stayed in the huddle for another minute, and I thought Kansas State obviously out executed OSU. I was like, Mike, you may- you might want to hold a little longer powwow here <laughs> during your timeouts. I thought that was weird that he that he did that, and just I, I thought Bruce Weber out coached him severely. I mean, it was just night and day. Now in the second half, they did score, uh, you know, fifty two points or whatever it was, but it was too it was, the game was over practically at halftime. Yeah, I, I want to read. There was a really interesting quote from Boynton after the game. Uh, let me pull it up. He said, uh, "We need to. Well, we got to decide who we want to be. This is three weeks in a row where we've come out kind of flat and not with the same sense of urgency that you need to have success consistently in this league." And then this part is interesting. As a coach, it's really difficult to plan when you're not really sure what type of focus your team is going to have. And then to be fair, he said, I've got to do a better job of finding a way to get those guys consistently focused. Uh, did, did, did that feel like throwing the team under the bus a little bit? And was it deserved, do you feel like? I don't know if he's throwing them under the bus. I think he's trying to explain why in the hell they've played so awful at home and he's grasping at straws. I yeah. mean, it wasn't, to me, they, to me, they actually came out with urgency. Didn't it seem like to you, they came out ready to play. They were flying around. They were getting offensive rebounds. Um, I didn't think it was an urgency problem. It was an execution problem. It was a, it was a settling on offense problem more than anything. And I think Mitchell Solomon getting in foul trouble didn't help, which the refereeing look, it it, it was not a factor in the loss. It's just, it's so hard to watch college basketball when they call (laughs) just, there were two just phantom offensive fouls. One on Mitchell Solomon when he was setting a screen and handing the ball off. Uh, and another on Sema where Sema just falls down because the guy pulled the chair out from under him. Yeah. And they called a foul on Sema. Yeah. <laughs> it was just uh, just it's that, agonizing. But that, I, that one was bad. But, it, to your, but to your point, I think it was less about urgency and more about execution. I think Boynton's just trying to explain away why they've done the, a bad job at home. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that like – you could argue, I mean, there are several different ways that this team goes about creating offense, but you can make the argument that one of their most effective is it runs through Mitchell Solomon. I mean, that's not always the case, but it has been at times uh, during stretches over the last five or six games. You know, I think you could say the same about Cam McGriff, not that those guys should be taking all the shots, but that in a lot of ways, hitting them, finding them down low opens things up for the rest of your guys. And that's just, I guess to me, that's just not something I ever thought I would say about Mitchell Solomon. And, and uh, again, speaks to, you know, what everybody's been saying about him uh, all year in terms of his improvement and, and how important he is to this team. No, it's very true. I mean, I think you saw that in the second half too, Kyle. They got it to Cam McGriff down in the paint, and, and good things happen. And it's a, it's a simple game. My dad kept saying, like, look, every time Kansas State gets in the paint, it collapses, and things are wide open when you kick it out. And OSU started doing that in the second half, and that's why they scored 52 points. It's just a, it's a mystery to me why they couldn't get that corrected in the first half. And it was just – people were upset, Kyle. Like, that was an, that was an offensive performance. Yeah. Like, it, it was – I was offended that I – drove to Stillwater and watched that it was and again they're college kids they're, they're trying to win I understand that it was just it was really bad that was as bad I thought Nate PFB Nate friend of the pod 
uh, summed up it pretty well. He said, I can't remember a bad, this bad of a performance where a game where the stakes are this high yeah. in a long, a long, long, long time. Well, and that was one of my, my five uh, thoughts. It was the fifth one is like, you've got, you've got these West Virginia and Kansas wins in the bag. And then you go out and do that and, and, and you lose, you're winning on the road at West Virginia and Kansas. You, you sort of lose the ability to be like, well, we just weren't good enough. You know, you are good enough. You're just not consistent enough. And I've got, I've got some more numbers here that will make you, uh, make you disappointed. Oklahoma state's offense, the last three games away from Gallagher, they're shooting 48%. Pretty solid. The last three games in Gallagher, they're shooting 40%. Hmm. Not not good. Oklahoma State defense, last three games away. So this is, again, this is against the three best teams in the league, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Kansas. Uh, their defensive field goal percentage, so teams against them away from Gallagher are shooting 47%, which is uh, not great. Teams in Gallagher over the last three games, TCU, Baylor, and Kansas State, 55% from the field. That's not well. good. And it just it, it it makes absolutely no sense why why you come home. I mean, Carson, they've lost all three games by double digits: Baylor, TCU, and Kansas State. Yeah, that's bad. I, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And and they're they've but they've pretty much, barring a miracle over the last five games, played their played themselves out of the NCAA tournament when they had it. I mean, it's sort of like what we talked about with with uh, Rudolph in the fall. You you've got the game in your hands. You've got the tournament in your hands at home. And you don't get it done, and that's that's disappointing. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. Like they also missed a lot of open shots too. And you would think the rims that you shoot on every day, you would shoot better at home than. I mean, they just light it up on the road. The only explanation I can give for why they've shot the ball so much better and played so much better on the road is, you know, no one expect no one in the country expected them to win at West Virginia or Kansas. So going into that game, I think. They're just more loose. They're more relaxed. I think when they come home, knowing they need to win, they'd obviously they've tensed up the last three games because that's the only way I can explain it. Other other than that, though, Kyle, I think the matchups are important. Baylor is probably the worst matchup for OSU with the zone they run. Yeah, uh, the size they have. But I was I was driving home from the game and I was listening to Hunziker and and John Holcomb and they brought up a great point in that Kansas State is dead last in pace in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And Bruce Weber said, we wanted to get them in the half court. And you saw that in the first half. That's probably the biggest reason they struggled is they're just not a good half court team. But that's when you got to go to Solomon and McGriff. No, no, no. I agree. I'm not absolving them. But I think Kansas State's pace is a bad matchup for them. West Virginia likes to run, and we saw them have some success against them. And Kansas certainly doesn't slow it down. So I think that's that's something to look forward to moving forward is what type of pace do the teams they play uh, have and keep? And can they force the pace upon teams that that are slowed down. I thought they did a bad job at that is, you know, it's one thing to get slowed down, but you can, you can get steals and create your own and they didn't do a good job of that. Yeah, they, they didn't. And I thought, um, uh, Blake Huddleston, do you follow him on Twitter? I think so. He's, he's a great follow. I, I wish I could remember his Twitter name. I think it's at coach Huddleston. But he made a really good point to Mark Cooper, and, and he said Kansas State doesn't care that they're getting killed on the offensive boards because what they're doing is they're getting back in transition and not letting Oklahoma State get out in transition offensively. So Kansas State is saying we don't care if we get any offensive rebounds out on our missed shots. We're just not going to let OSU get into the into fast breaks quickly, 
and we're going to force them into a half-court offense, and it worked. Oklahoma State took 14 more shots than Kansas State and made one fewer. And I think that you you saw that the reason for that is because of the half-court offense. And I'll tell you what, the half-court defense for Oklahoma State wasn't much better. I mean, I don't know how many times Kansas State had either an open, a wide-open three-pointer or a wide-open bucket under the uh, – or a wide-open layup under the basket. And it's just like you can't – you can't beat, you know, OCU playing like that, much less Kansas State. And they, I think OSU had like a ridiculous amount of offensive rebounds and second chance points, and they still just got blown out of the gym. Yeah. That tells you how bad they were defensively. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know, Bruce Weber, when Bruce Weber is one of the players, said, look, we knew exactly what yeah. OSU was running. I thought that's another point. If you're Mike Boynton, they're shutting down your plays that you've run that they've seen on film. It's time to mix it up. Like, you got to, you got to go to something else. And I, I've noticed uh, Boynton has this little like book. Have you seen his little coaching handbook that he carries with him? <laughs> no. It's like a little leather-bound book. It almost looks kind of like a mini Bible almost. It's it's not that thick, obviously, but it's kind of keeps where he keeps his plays, it looks like. He's had a few more pages. The, the, the teams have scouted him. They knew yeah. what plays were coming. They, they even said it in the post game. They're like, we knew exactly what they were running, and that's that's partly why they look so stagnant, I think, is nothing was open. Yeah, well, it, it's... It wasn't pretty. It, it, we we I don't think you and I have talked though since uh, the West Virginia game, which was phenomenal. You know, second week in a row, you beat a top twenty team on the road, and so I just I, it's so it's it's so weird. Like coming into the year, if you would have told me um, Mike Boynton's going to go to Kansas and beat Bill Self, he's going to go to Morgantown and beat Bob Huggins, I would have been like. Holy crap! Like, you know, what what seed are they getting in the tournament? And now it's going to be what seed are they getting in the NIT? And it, it's just the whole thing has been such a bizarre thing. I mean, the the other stat they're five and zero on Saturdays and zero and eight on weekdays. That's that's insane. Like, it's just a weird. It's been a weird year. You know, up and down, up and down, up and down. And they've got to have basically a miracle over the last five to to make it into uh, March Madness. I, that's, first of all, it sounds like my college career. Oh and five on, or oh and eight on the weekdays, and five and zero oh on Saturdays. Yep, yeah, that's me. I, I thrive on Saturday. Yeah, I uh, like that. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say it's like you know, like at TCU, at Texas, at Iowa State. It's on the road, but they can certainly beat TCU and Texas, and then maybe beat Iowa State on the road, Kansas at home, or Tech at home. I, I still think they can get in if they get to eight wins and i don't think it's that crazy to say they can win three more as bad as it was against kansas state uh, i mean they had tech down double digits on the road yeah they certainly beat them at home now you're you're right i, I shouldn't um, i shouldn't have said a miracle it's just going to be really difficult because six o'clock freaking game that's the worst thing that has ever happened to the big 12 is the six o'clock tip-offs well and you've just you've had some bad losses i mean you it's really so my point on on Wednesday was it's really hard to to like road win your way into the tournament but you can pretty easily like home loss your way out of it you know and and, and so it's just the, this path they're taking it just seems unsustainable in, in in the you know for the rest of the year now maybe it's not maybe they just are better a better road team than they are a home team maybe that's just the reality of it but i i just i'm worried that it that they can't keep it up yeah, I mean, you should be, but I do think this team is zigging when you expect them to zag. So, yeah. I mean, I, 
would it shock you if they won at TCU on Saturday? And it, just, it totally just recalibrates things again for them to lose at home to Tech. Do you, <laughs> kind of the path we're on. Do you think that Texas would agree to like a uh, an away doubleheader on on Saturday? Like, can they get all their games on Saturday? <laughs> you just reshuffle the schedule. Just drive over to Austin after you play in <laughs> Fort Worth. Yeah, I'd I'd be for that. I think Boynton would be for it. Although they don't really have the depth for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We need a toast. It's time for the Coupe Works Toast of the Week. Coupe Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupe Works. And please remember to drink responsibly. Um, I gave, I forgot to tell you this, I gave Mrs. Pistols a, a Vader the other night. And uh, she was like, this is unbelievable. I said, yeah, this is Gundy's favorite. And she was like, are you, she was like, are you serious? And I was like, uh, in, in me and Carson's heads, it is, uh, we're pretty, we're pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're certain, but no, she loved it. Uh, somebody suggested, we might've talked about this, uh, like a, oh, we did talk about this, but like having a mailbag, mailbag question. Yeah. But we need to have like an official coop, uh, bracket. Maybe we should do this in March. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll, so we'll, how, how, how are we going to play it out and prove the winner? We well, have a vote, a vote, online vote. Yeah, we can do a post. We can, we can, we, you and I can make the seeds, and then we will just uh, we'll vote on the individual games and see who ends up winning. Okay, I'm down. I'm sure Coop's down. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really fun. Uh, okay, we need to toast. I've, I've got. I know who I'm toasting. Unless, unless you want to usurp me and, and go first. Yeah, that's a good segue. I do want to toast a Vader to Mike Gundy mm. for uh, doing playing the saxophone, doing <laughs> his best to get the fans out, putting on his like Barry White voice, like "See you, Gallagher." That was uh, <laughs> that was awesome. I think Gundy's in off-season mode where nothing is off the table, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. And I think he did his part. It's just it's literally impossible to have a six o'clock game in Stillwater and expect to get crowd. It's just. Yep. People have a hard time getting to downtown Oklahoma City for a Thunder game by by seven or by six, let alone six. So I mean, getting to Stillwater is just—it's hard. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I am going to toast a. Oh, what should I toast him? I'll toast a a siren, a Saturday siren, to uh, to Kyle Boone. And the reason I'm going to toast Kyle Boone is because Kyle Boone has gotten Carson interested in recruiting again. <laughs> Carson's back into recruiting and it's been strangely, I don't know about strangely, but it's been super intriguing. I think to follow Mike Boynton, like I, I feel like he's just an interesting coach. You know, you know how we talk about how in, in college, whether it's college football or basketball, like the coaches are kind of the stars and I, yeah. I, I don't know if he's a star, but he's, he's certainly intriguing in a way that, uh, sometimes coaches just aren't like I never really was intrigued by Travis Ford. Uh, I never really was super intrigued by Brad Underwood, although he was a really good coach and I still think he is a good coach. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Boynton. He, and he said it on this podcast. He said, I'm, I'm obsessed with recruiting now. Got to weigh in some guys, but uh, I don't know. It's been, would you agree that it's been kind of fun to follow him, whether it's uh, the way that he's coached or the way that he's recruiting and stuff? Yeah, I think you know yeah, he's twice now after big road wins on Saturday. He's shown up and 
been in a high school gym recruiting. And I think that, as we've said, is going to determine his fate as the coach of Oklahoma State. And what I am getting back into it. I'm, I'm monitoring who he's recruiting. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if Mike Boyne is going to be an elite recruiter along the lines of like, a you know, Scott Drew. It's fair to say he's an elite recruiter. Yeah. He has dudes every year. I mean, I think if he's able to do that, I think he's going to be a big success. And so we're still kind of in that early stages to where we don't know. I think it's cool he shows up in like a hoodie and a hat. He just seems super relatable, yeah. Yeah. Uh, super approachable. And I think landing those in-state kids that he's been watching, the Boone twins from Tulsa Memorial, the the other one that's a 2020 kid, I can't remember his name, the point guard who's, whose dad played for Bill Self at Tulsa. Like Some of Eddie's best players were from the state of Oklahoma, guys like Joe Atkins. And I think it's very key to land, if there's a stud in your state, to beat OU for those recruits. And I think he's doing as much as he can, him and Scott Sutton both, to uh, recruit. So I've, I've been fascinated to watch it. I know Boone's been on hot on the trail of uh, Courtney Ramey, yeah. a, a hot, hot shot point guard. It sounds like the hot girl from your high school. <laughs> Most androgynous name I've ever heard, Courtney Ramey. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm into it because I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. Yeah, totally. So... Uh, a Saturday siren to Kyle Boone uh, for getting us all uh, pretty interested in in uh, college basketball recruiting. I, I think and, I'll- it, 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 and hold on, it, it reminds me so much too. Like you know, I was at the game with my dad. I remember so many years where and this is before you know the internet and recruiting and rivals, surely. But I, I'll, some of my favorite moments were my dad kind of informing me who the new players were. Yeah, I'm not sure where he got his info back in the day, but I remember specifically. I can see it right now a freshman Desmond Mason checking in. My dad goes, Carson, this guy's from Waxahachie, Texas. He's supposed to be just a super athlete. He's really raw, but Eddie thinks he's going to be awesome. I was like, okay, cool. And then sure enough, <laughs> he was. And then uh, Frederick Yonzian, super skilled, yeah. big man. He was giving me like the breakdown. Did, did you ever do that with your dad? Like he give you the breakdown on who the new guys were? Uh, not, no, not specifically. Your dad might've been on like, did Robert Allen have like a, uh, like, <laughs> like not an email list, but like a, like he just like called people. Like, did he have to call people and tell them? I think he, I think my dad just read the Oklahoman. I think that's, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he had a, I don't think he subscribed to Robert Allen's 1-800 telethon line or whatever. <laughs> like Robert Allen just leaves like these, uh, messages and people call in and like, Listen, <laughs> listen to the, that. That would be that would be fantastic. Now, it, it's true, and and the point I was going to make is that basketball. I think basketball recruiting is more fun than football recruiting because with football, you're like, okay, is he a quarterback? Okay, no. Well, then I I have no idea. Like I I don't I don't know what he's going to be. If he's a quarterback, you can sort of tell if they're going to be good. But in basketball, it's like this guy might be in the NBA next year. You know, like it's just a more uh, it's a more streamlined process than football is, I, I think. And, and so I think it's just it's just easier to envision what somebody's going to be at the next level, and I, I think that makes it more intriguing. Well, and there's just there's just fewer of them, so you get to know them a lot better. Uh, yeah, you know, like OSU only has two guys signed this last period, so yeah, totally. Uh, okay, let's. I got a uniform take that uh, is not going to be popular, so. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, do you want me to go first, or do you want to unload your uh, your wrestling take? And and you you had a helmet sighting yesterday that we need to talk about. 
Yeah, why don't, why don't you go first? Okay, I'll go first. I, I liked Kansas State's uniforms on, on Wednesday. <laughs> I did too. You did? Yes. Yeah. Now, here's my reasoning. I think, to me, it reminds me so much of, remember the season in the NFL where they all wore throwbacks like the entire year? Yeah. There were just some atrocious ones that were cool because they are from the 1930s or whatever. Like, I remember the Packers had like this like tan brown helmet and like a brown jersey and yellow pants or something. And they're so ugly because they're from the 30s or whatever. And I think that's the same thing with Kansas State's two-tone uniform. It's it's a legit throwback to a different era. And I think that's what throwbacks are supposed to be. So was it ugly? You bet. But did I? I think it was a. I think it was cool. Hell yeah, I did. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. I I, I think I could have done a different sh- like like maybe if the shorts were white, I think that would have been kind of cool. I the, the shorts were kind of kind of weird, like they were almost blue. But I thought the purple jerseys were fantastic. Like I just loved them. I I, I don't know. Yeah, they should have gone all lavender. But if that's what they wore back in yeah. the seventies, that was the long Kruger was wearing when he was playing. Why not? <laughs> And that was it was a dark purple. It probably looked blue on TV, but yeah. it was a darker purple. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I liked them. I thought they were great. I thought I thought they were fantastic. So uh, I know a lot of people hated them. I saw those people on Twitter. I saw them in the comments section on on the site. But uh, yeah, that's my that's my hot uniform take for the week. No, uh, I agree. You probably thought I was going to disagree. Didn't I did. You? I did. No, I, again, it's they're so ugly. They're cool. Is is my take. Yeah. But. Uh, but no, I, w- I was watching some Bedlam wrestling over the weekend. Yeah. And uh, I noticed the Pistol Pete. I-, I love how they have Pistol Pete compete in every sport on like apparel. There's like a, there's a, on Chris's site, you can go see there's a soccer Pistol Pete with his foot on the ball. But in wrestling, he's wearing the full singlet with his cowboy boots on. And it's just, it's him in like a wrestling stance. I just thought that was so cool. There was a guy that they honored with like the Gallagher Award uh, during the duel. And he was wearing a hat, and it had the had the Pistol Pete wrestler on it, and I just thought that was so cool. And it reminded me of uh, Spencer Hall from Every Day Should Be Saturday. He always he has a hoodie from like I guess OSU has a fishing team, like a club fishing team. He's got a a hoodie with Pistol Pete holding a fish. That's awesome. So I, I love I love the Pistol Pete doing anything motif. I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, the uh... The swinging Pete in golf is great. The baseball Pete is great. They're they're all they've done a good, really good job with that. I feel like. Yeah, um, I might have to get one of those shirts, one of those wrestling shirts. I just think it's just hilarious to see like Pete's bare legs with the cowboy boots on, <laughs> and and he's like jacked out of his mind too. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Funny. And, and John Smith is like, he's turning into Gundy in a little bit in a little bit of a way, just that he's lived in the country for so long. He's wearing like the the vest. Over like the uh, formal wear. Yeah. You've seen this? Yeah. He's wearing like it's it's not Carhartt, it's like Nike, but you get the feeling when he's off work he wears like just a Carhartt vest instead of the OSU wrestling one. Yeah. I, I it is funny because I feel like you know the the conversations that those guys have like out on the farm or whatever are just just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I mean it's just so hilarious and yeah it's it's great i didn't i didn't notice that he wears a lot of vests he's a big vest guy yeah it's like a new thing i think he's just wearing the vest um yeah. him and gundy are from the same area you know john's from uh 
Dell City and Mike's from Midwest City, so they're just from down the road from one another. So they may have known each other a long time, longer than just the when they've coached and been at OSU. I wonder what uh, John Smith honestly thinks of the mullet. What do you What do you think, John Smith? You know, Gundy probably like tries to tell John about his wrestling career. Oh yeah, and how good he was. Yeah. Oh, and for John's sure. Probably, Dude, like, do you want me to go look at my gold medals? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Gundy, tell me about this helmet that you saw at Gallagher on Wednesday. Oh yeah, I was just going to my seat, and they had like this. Uh, I don't know if it was an auction or whatever, but they had a bunch of helmets. They had some of the newer ones. But then they had like a, a Walt Garrison one that was signed, and it was basically the homecoming helmet. I tweeted out a picture of it if people want to go look. It was basically this year's homecoming helmet, but instead of the white, it was black. And it was incredible. Yeah. They have to wear that. Yeah. Uh, it's... Like, like, not just for homecoming. Like, they ought to wear that like multiple times. Yeah. It yeah. was awesome. Did it, Was there a number on the side? Yeah. It was Walt Garrison's number 32. Was it white or orange? White. Okay. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I think it's yeah. I think it's a helmet from either the well, whenever Garrison was there maybe late 70s. Yeah, I'm not sure when he was there, but they have a they have a plethora of helmets from the 60s, 70s and 80s that uh that they can just keep going to uh every year for homecoming. And I'm with you. They should have worn the the homecoming helmet from this year multiple times. I mean, well, and haven't we always heard, like, why can't they do a, like, Texas Tech did a full throwback uniform against them in football. Why can't they go full throwback like everybody yeah. else? I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know. Maybe that's Gundy's budget getting in the way. <laughs> yeah. Got to pay for the chopper. Got to pay for the cretin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, well, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back and wrap up and get you on the road for the weekend. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, any any final thoughts from uh, Gallagher? Brandon Whedon was there last night? Did you, did you get some FaceTime with B-Dub? No, I, I didn't see him. Uh, I saw him, but I didn't get to talk to him. His feet were on the white maple. I, I had great seats, <laughs> but my feet were not touching the white maple. But... Uh, he actually texted me this week. I was in like a sports center, tweeted out a clip of Russell Westbrook warming up because it was a question of whether he's playing or not. And then I like photobomb it and Whedon texted me the screenshot of it and said I was, <laughs> said I was creeping on Russ. It was pretty so, funny. So he is, so he's sitting around doing what we do all day, just taking screenshots and Oh yeah, texting ribbing, our ribbing his buddies, yeah. <laughs> he's, probably, uh, he's probably worked on his golf game a lot more than I have though as of late. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. But it's good. It's good to be Brandon Whedon. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm so interested to see what he does, like post NFL. I mean, I know he's with the Titans or whatever. But as soon as he's done with that, like, what is he gonna do? I mean, he he can do a lot of different things, presumably. I've always thought that he could have like a radio show in Oklahoma City that would be really good. He's just he's just easy to talk 
sports with, you know? Yeah. No, he's he's done a little. He's He's been on the animal, uh, sports animal here in Oklahoma City a few times. So maybe, oh, that's, something, maybe that's something he'll want to do. I know he, he's done a lot of those, like, uh, events where he's there and he can sign autographs and stuff. I think he's just going to be Brandon Whedon for the rest of his life. That's, that's all he's got to do. He's, he's done commercials. Like, he's made a ton of money. I don't. I don't know if he needs to work too much, to be honest. We should. We should pay him to have a, have a podcast on PFB. It, maybe he'll just. Uh, we'll just do the podcast with us for free. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he'll get us out at Oak Tree. That's what. That's what we need to do. We need to start angling him to get us some stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's got. He's got major. Major sway. Oh, that's great. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about real quick, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this because it's an Oklahoma State podcast, but how have you felt about the uh, Trey Young backlash? The backlash? Yeah. Like has people, there been? I feel like people are like, oh, he's, he's the worst. Like, he's self. I don't, I don't know. It feels like there's been a sort of a backlash to all the success he had early in the year, and OU's struggling, and uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think ESPN's largely responsible for that, for shoving him down everyone's throats. I mean, obviously he was having an an unbelievable year, so you have to show him and stuff. But the the Trey Young scoreboard at the bottom during the games is a little much. And more than anything, I just think there's really good coaches in the Big Twelve. I mean, they've they've slowly but surely figured out a, a good way to defend him, and he's really struggled. I mean, he shot thirty percent his last four road games, so. And it's it's weird though because OU has talent around him. Like Cam Augusti had a really good year last year. Cameron Doolittle had a really good year last year. Christian James seemingly can be good. Brady Mannix had a solid. He has talent around him. It's not like it's Trey Young and the Seven Dwarfs. But that's sure what it looks like lately on the road. So I don't I don't know what's wrong with them. And mainly their defense is a big problem too. But um, now the narrative is shifting, Kyle. Now everyone's like, "Oh, you might—he might need to stay in school, refine that game. He's hitting the—he's hitting the freshman wall. He's not ready for eighty-two games." So that—that that narrative is what's going on up here in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, which is absurd. I know it's—it's it's been pretty interesting. The, the Big Twelve has been just fascinating this year, and and uh, you know Kansas could could not win the league. Some somehow they will, I'm sure, but. I don't know. It's been it's been fun to follow. Big Twelve tournament's going to be awesome, and uh, Oklahoma State still has five games to uh, to figure it out and and to get to you know eight wins like we talked about earlier. I don't know if they're going to, but they certainly still have the opportunity. So we'll see. Where are you? Uh, where are you headed this weekend? I am off. I'm on vacation. I'm going down to Austin, Texas. Uh, my best friend lives down there. Going to hang out with him and his one year old son. Probably hang out with Nolan Cox a little too. Friend of the show. So uh, yeah, some much much needed time R and R, so to yeah. speak, down in down in Austin. That'll be awesome. Uh, I'm jealous. I'm gonna be on Tiger duty all weekend. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back uh, next week to talk uh, probably another Oklahoma State win at a tough uh, against a tough team on a Saturday on the road. So a 30, 30 point win for OSU <laughs> for sure, confirmed. <laughs> okay, Carson, we'll talk to you later on. All right, see you. See you.